The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 395. I have a special guest joining me today to talk about some uh, key fantasy players that might be able to help you in the last few weeks of the baseball season, cover some fantasy, recent fantasy baseball news, and much, much more. He's a first-time guest on the show. You can find his work over at our good buddy SP Streamer's website, spstreamer.com. You can find this gentleman on Twitter at UTStreamer. You can find him uh, on, like I said, SP Streamer. He does the weekly streaming article, hitter streaming article for Mr. Simeone. And the guest I have today is Josh St. Marie. Josh, how we doing, man? Doing awesome. Just uh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad uh, glad you could join me and uh, belated uh, congratulations on, on your wedding. So that's uh, pretty cool stuff. Uh, where was the honeymoon? The honeymoon, believe it or not, was actually in the middle of Arkansas. Um, we did a little getaway um, in the Ozark Mountains. Oh, uh, nice. Very beautiful, very our speed. Um, I enjoyed it greatly. Yeah, at first, if you say the middle of Arkansas, you, people apply the same reaction I have if you're watching the the, the feed on YouTube. Uh, but I, as a golf fan, they, they did a, a tournament in the Ozarks at this new Jack Nicholas course like a couple months ago, and then they did a whole thing about all the different things you can do in the Ozarks. I'm like, okay, it's not like the TV show. Like, this is pretty cool <laughs> over here. And uh, once you said where you were, I was like, oh, okay, okay, I got you, I got you. Now, that's a, it looks like a pretty awesome place. It's got stuff for pretty much anybody that, it, any kind of hobby you have, hobby, relaxation to doing whatever, it seems like it's all there. So that's pretty cool. Definitely. We uh, opted more for the re- relaxation route for sure. We tried cramming everything to do in like two days and every other day was just spent relaxing. That's perfect. That's the way to do it though. In this world we live in where everything's go, go, go. I could, you know, there's not many vacations that people go on anymore. We actually relax on vacation. Like you get back from a vacation and you need a vacation. It's a bad joke, but it's like <laughs> true because 
it's happened to so many people. So that's good. Good. Glad you got to enjoy that. Um, why don't you let everybody know what you do for uh, spstreamer.com? I kind of hinted at it, but kind of why don't you let everybody know what you got going on? Uh, yeah, so you wouldn't know if you had been following me the last two weeks because I took a break for my wedding and honeymoon, but I have been doing the weekly hitting streamers uh, for uh, Michael, as you said. Um, he started doing the uh, daily pitching streamers last year, and I've uh, I've done a little bit with the daily work, but kind of just gotten my feet wet this year with the weekly uh, hitting streamers. It's been a lot of fun. I feel like I've learned so much uh, more than I thought maybe I needed to learn heading into it. Um, but it's been uh, it's been fun. So you can find that uh, work at my Twitter, um, at UT Streamer, and then, of course, as you mentioned, on spstreamer.com. Uh, when you're picking your streamers for the weekend, it's always fun because I got, I've talked to Mike a, a lot about his pitching one, and he's got he's much smarter about it than I am, but we have a similar philosophy like for DFS, how he does streaming for his pitchers. What are you looking for in hitters? Because you're doing it weekly, like you said. Are you are you looking specifically matchups? The guys on hot streaks. What are you looking at when you're picking your uh, your hitting streamers? Yeah, so I actually have a bit of a mathematical formula, um, and the majority of it is their matchups. Um, I'm looking at who they're facing um, as the opposing starting pitcher primarily, but I'm also looking at what ballpark parks they will be hitting in one thing that i try to completely ignore it's kind of impossible just because of the nature of how we are as humans but i try actually to ignore if they're on a hot streak or not um one thing i found pretty early on when i was doing my research is just um how hot or cold a hitter has been has almost no correlation to how they're going to perform in the coming week so you really just are trying to look for good hitters um who honestly a lot of the times we're streaming uh, players that have been pretty cold because that means those good hitters are being dropped in leagues um, and so are available to be streaming. It, it seems to be a pretty effective strategy. So, No, I love it. I love it. It's a, it's a new wave of the world. Like we talk about NFBC, you're always trying to stream the next best thing. Can you find them for cheap? Just try to get constant at bats. That's like the name of the game, especially with all the injuries out there. Like you're always trying. I guess it's a comment I make on uh, with Toby on most Tuesday shows is, when we go over like our fab moves for the week, it's well, I grabbed this guy because I just wanted a healthy roster. Like this is what I'm going for right now. Cause it's, it's been a, it's been messy, messy this year. So the hitting streaming is definitely the way to go. Cause everyone talks about pitching streaming for years. Like who are the two star guys? Who are this? Who are that? Well, hitters have feelings too. So I, I like, <laughs> uh, I like that one quite a bit. And I'm glad uh, you're, you're getting to do that over there at spstreamer.com. Let's talk about some recent fantasy baseball news. And some of it'll be kind of simple as kind of reminding people what's going on. Some of it, I think maybe talk about some ramifications that go with it. But first off, recent news, like Jacob DeGrom, we knew he was kind of shut down for a bit. They're going to reevaluate. Well, the latest news that came out in the, in the last couple of days is the Mets are heavily weighing the idea of just shutting him down for the season. Um, it's been a topic of conversation on my show and other shows in recent weeks, drop, dropping Jacob DeGrom. We know the great Phil Dussault has done that a couple of weeks ago. It started a conversation. And basically at this point, Josh, if you roster Jacob DeGrom, are you holding him this fab period? Um, you know, for me, I like to know where my strengths and weaknesses are and, and also know where other people's strengths and weaknesses are. And one person who just has the strength of fantasy baseball is Phil Dassault. So as soon as I saw that he had dropped DeGrom, that my brain automatically was like, well, that has to be the right decision because he just does not make mistakes. You would... I mean, it is amazing how uh, good he is at fantasy baseball. So, I mean, that's where my head's at. I'm willing to drop him. I also um, 
you know, as a as a Red Sox fan, we've come upon some hard times, but one team that maybe has come upon harder times, maybe the only team is the Mets. Um, and if that continues for even maybe just a few more days, I see no reason the Mets will rush to bring DeGrom back. I think they've fallen all the way to third in their division, and it just does not seem good for them. Yeah, when this all started, they were in first. Looked like they were going to kind of be okay for the like. They're going to probably make the playoffs. It looked like looked like things were good at one point in time, and the tailspin has been f- just massive right now. The owners are the GM and the owner are coming out saying things. It's, it's getting ugly over there in New York. Not to mention that the media is always great in New York City. So, um, yeah, I, I think shutting them down is the good, the good idea. I think it makes the most sense for your one of your top, you know, the top pitching guy you have. The question I'll, I'll follow up that with you, and I've asked a few people. If we don't see him again this year, it makes it even tougher. But going into draft season, where do you feel comfortable drafting a guy like Jacob DeGrom, not knowing what his situation is going to be like? You know, it totally depends on the league for me, but I would say in most formats, I'm still looking at him as my number one pitcher. I mean, and I might even be looking him at him with the first pick. Just even he's already returned enough value to really warrant a first round pick this year and he hasn't played in so long and maybe won't play the rest of the season i mean the dude is incredible so i'll take the the chance that uh he is healthy for a whole season i know it it won't happen with a pitcher but healthy for the majority of the season um just knowing that he can return first round value even with just like two-thirds of a season played yeah that's kind of where i'm at that's the the discussion i've had recently is what he's done in his shortened season has been nothing short of awesome. Like he's done everything you could ask and more in that short period. Obviously the arm injury is terrifying. He's had arm injuries in the past. Anything can go wrong, but at the same time, it's like the risk reward of taking a guy like Jacob DeGrom's tremendous. Um, some people don't feel confident. They're thinking, you know, that they can't take a first round pick with them. Okay. I get it. The, the, this is the safety net. But if you look at it, you got Garrett Cole, who's healthy, which is good. Sticky stuff. He's starting to figure out. It looks like maybe, um, you have Shane Bieber. He might not pitch again this season. So if like if you're worried about those three guys, what's next? Walker Bueller maybe, which I think is great. But you're starting to get towards the back end of round one, early round two discussions. Which if they move up, so be it. But I think throwing like people that just throw Degrom out of the conversation might be silly at the time. But uh, we'll wait and see. I'm I'm on the same page as you, and it'll be interesting because we always talk about hey, we're not gonna you know you know worry about it until you know later when we get more news and everything. But in the reality. A lot of us are going to start drafting in like end of October, early November, and we're not going to have the information by then. So you're going to have to plant your flag and go and see how that plays out. All right. George Springer sprained knee, level one sprained knee. And um, basically the, the response from the manager Montoya was, I'm not sure if he'll be back this season. So that's not good. How are you approaching George Springer as you head into fab this weekend? Um, you know, I would have said the same thing if I was the Blue Jays manager, because even if it was like a knee, just like a bruise, I would still be saying it about Springer. I mean, this dude just, I mean, wh- I just want him to play. I'm a huge fan of his. I had a hot take to start the year that he would uh, enter like the top six uh, outfielders, um, but he, I mean, he doesn't play. So no chance at that <clears throat> swing and a miss from me. But I, I'm ultimately what it comes down to for me is, um, I'm just looking at kind of injury history. So I use a tool like Derek Rhodes um, provides us where we can look at similar past injuries um, to get an idea of return time. And we're looking at about an average of three weeks um, for similar knee injuries. And so I'm 
um, it's not a perfect science, obviously, when it comes to injuries, especially for someone like Springer, who um, seems a little more injury prone. I hate to put that label on him, um, but he does seem to be injury prone. And so, um, but I'm just going to make the assumption that it's three weeks, knowing that if he comes back, he does have the potential in my mind still to be a top six outfielder, which is tremendous value. So, yeah, um, it's, it's tough because yeah, if he comes back in three weeks, you still get three weeks of him basically, which is outstanding. So that's great. It's also like no one would be surprised if you don't see George Springer again. So it's one of those, I guess, wait another week, maybe get some more information. That's kind of how I'd approach the situation. But um, yeah, use Derek Rhodes' tools. They are amazing. He's very, very good at what he's done. So, And I, I will it, add, cool. just um, just as a Red Sox fan, and again, I don't want to talk about it too much, but it's just in the center of my mind. You know, when you're a fan of a team, you can't get it out. But they're floundering right now. Um, if they continue to do so, and if the A's some, uh, you know, stop winning, I think they won again today already, but I'm not sure how they they keep winning games, to be perfectly honest. But uh, the Blue Jays may be very tempted to try and rush Springer back because they might actually have an outside shot here at making the playoffs. So I think that is also in Springer's favor here as far as returning this season. That's a very good point. Unlike the Mets, they have a reason to bring him back. So that's, that's a very good point as well. Chris Bassett, injury is nasty. Anybody that saw it, it was terrifying. You hate seeing stuff like that. Um, reports are he's okay. Got a little bit of a fracture in the around the orbital area, but that should be like a surgery and fixed potentially. Just some stitches, no concussions. Knock on wood, everything's cool. Like um, he's got some like I'm gonna say similar to, to what we saw with Kevin Pillar, but injuries difference, but recovery is okay. Like things are looking good in that regard. Um, but he's probably gonna miss the rest of the season. I would assume. With that being said, roster resource has uh, Pete Blackburn or Paul Blackburn filling in in his spot in the rotation. Who knows? Who, they might have other options. They might try to do some bullpen games, maybe use uh, A.J. Puck for like three innings, like do some opener stuff. We'll see. If you're going into this weekend and assuming we'll have more information by Fab Sunday, how would you approach uh, trying to replace Bassett? And are you are you on the same page as me that he's done? You're just going to drop Bassett? Um, You know, that actually is a question I need to answer because I have Bassett pretty much everywhere. Um. I think I will. I think I will drop him in, in on teams where I don't have an IL spot. It's just the the time of year where you need to drop the players, even if the there's a chance of them missing the rest of the season. But what I, as far as like looking for replacements, so I think you said roster resource has it as Blackburn, and I think that's because the A's called him up um, immediately to fill that spot. But I think that we'll see Dalton Jeffries get called back up. I think um, Jeffries pitched on Sunday. And so I don't think he would be available to pitch today. So um, if you have like a, your waiver period Sunday, I think by that time we'll know if it will be Jeffries. Cause if he's not called up by the time his next start would be in the minors or by the time it's getting close to the next start of where Bassett would be, then I'm pretty sure it won't be Jeffries. But I think that they gave him a chance recently in a double header. Um, he didn't look all too good, but this is someone who just a year ago um, looked awesome and was getting all this hype during spring training. So I think I'm, I might just replace him directly with Jeffries. Should there be any indication it's going to be Jeffries? I'm getting the call up just because I'll take a chance at this point on, on someone with the upside he presents. I like the Jeffries call. Cause yeah, he was, he pitched well last year, like you said, and then spring training was outstanding. It was pretty much um, everyone thought he'd get the job, but he didn't get it at the last minute. I know I had him on a few rosters with, in late draft season and stuff. I know many people did. And um, he could be another one of those names like we talk about it time and time again. 
offensively and pitching wise that a guy gets called up late in the year and he gives you like four or five quality starts. And that's like the little things that kind of just help you push the way the, the, the A's are competing. They're winning baseball games. So if you're in the market for wins, he could be a sneaky one there. He's got some strikeout upside. I, I like the Jeffries call. I wasn't even thinking about that initially. So that that's a good look there. Um, I, I think he is better than Blackburn as well. So I'll go, I'll go with you there. That could be a very solid pickup. Uh, Freddie Peralta left Wednesday's game with right shoulder discomfort. It's weird because he said it bo- was bothering him for a couple of days leading into the start. And then it was kind of off and on during the start. And then he swung his bat and it made it worse. So they pulled him from the game. So he's on the 10-day IL. This is not comforting at all. Um, I don't think you're you're dropping him this week per se. You want to hear more information. But what's your take on this uh, this Peralta deal? And if, do you think that there's any there's, – there's probably the, – the Brewers don't have a lot to bring up behind him either. So, I mean, absolutely I don't feel like you – can drop Peralta. However, if you're in a league that allows trading, I, I hate to trade low on a guy, but I might I might try. And, and here's why. I think we saw coming out of the All-Star break, the Brewers were already being extremely cautious with Peralta. Um, I think he had back-to-back starts of 51 pitches and 68 pitches, and it wasn't like he was pitching poorly. He hadn't given up a run in either one of those games. In one of those games, he had made it all the way to, I think, maybe even the seventh inning um, with 68 pitches and got pulled. Um, and they just were already showing indications of babying him. Um, now with this uh, IL stint and this back problem and with the Brewers having almost a 10-game lead in their division, I don't think we'll see them being aggressive at all with Peralta. So even if he does return, I think they're going to do something similar where they're piggybacking someone with him or they're only letting him go 50, 60 pitches before we see them start stretching him out again. Um, and then as far as replacements, I know that Josh Lindblom is tearing it up in the minors right now. He has uh, major league experience, another guy that had a lot of hype coming into the season. And then I don't know if they want to call up a prospect, but um, Ethan Small also been dominating at AAA, um, seems ready for the majors. Um, and in a season where pitching prospects are definitely in a better place than hitting prospects, I wouldn't be surprised to see him. Um, but I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the Limblum calls the way they'll go. And um, God, if he could figure it out, because I have him in so many places in like best balls and draft champions. And I, I dropped him in every season long I had. I drafted him in so many places to start the year. I was team Josh Limblum. So if he can somehow get the call and he keep pitching like he was in AAA, that'd be outstanding. So I think that's not a bad idea. Grab him for a few and see what they do coming back. Because they were even thinking about piggybacking him early in the year. So maybe when Peralta comes back, they piggyback the two, like you said, and they just go that route. So that's definitely an angle to go about it. Um, yeah, I, I think Limbloom's worth worth a stab. Uh, I think I know the answer here, but for the listener's sake, would you rather have Dalton Jeffries or Josh Limbloom? Oh, man. I, I mean, I, I, I would say probably – Jeffries, it's kind of hard not to. It's just, I mean, even looking at the ages, I don't want to be ages, but like Lindblom is, this the age presents less upside for me. And um, despite my own name being Josh and the bias I might have towards the Josh Lindblom, I have to go with Jeffries. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's where I would lean as well. Um, just because I think his overall upside is much, much better where Lindblom, some days he's not striking guys' eyes, more pitch to contact and whatnot, where I think Jeffries is like the, hey, let's go five, let's go, let's go nuts and try to like get seven Ks and stuff. So I'm with you on that one. This next one is weird, and I definitely am no doctor. I did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express, but Patrick Sandoval, 10-day IL with left lumbar spine stress reaction. Um, Joe Madden has made quotes. He's always had goofy quotes in his, in his career. 
but he said, yes, I have no idea what that is. He's, he's clarified that. And then he's also said, um, I'm not sure of a timeline, but there's a chance it could be season ending. Again, maybe this is minor. And it's a big set of words for a medical thing. It's like a, a strain or something. I think it's much worse than that. We shall see. I'm not counting on much from Patrick Sandoval the rest of the way. What about you? Um, no, I have actually already, I didn't realize they were saying it was only a chance. I've, I've written him off for the season again. I don't know much of anything when it comes the to chance, the chance was in quotes. Okay. <laughs> so I think it's not very optimistic. Uh, all I know is, uh, I think it's now officially Dylan Bundy time. <laughs> if, uh, he's someone that gets you excited. Uh, <laughs> but I think yeah. it's safe to say Bundy will be staying in the rotation now. Um, I just actually traded Bundy in a dynasty league literally like minutes ago. So I'm not particularly high on Bundy, but uh, I don't know. People, people like him. Well, it's interesting. Like his last four starts, he's been slowly put back in the rotation. He's only gone more than four innings once. Um, He's gone four and two thirds, four and third. So he hasn't gone five full innings more than once in that stretch, but he's three and runs or less in each of them. He's got, you know, a couple K's in them. Like he hasn't been lights out. He's not the Dylan Bundy. We grew to love entering the season, but he's not, I guess, completely the Dylan Bundy as an Oriole either. So I, I'm not running to go grab him. Like you said, I'm not super excited about Dylan Bundy, but in your deeper leagues, I could see options. I could see times where you could stream him and he fits, and I'll put money on it right now. Your good old buddy Michael will have him as a streamer at least once or twice the rest of the way. <laughs> I, I will also say in in favor of of Bundy, um, he is someone who is who I think safe to say is uh, victim to the sticky stuff uh, ban. He clearly performed much worse after the fact, and we've seen a lot of pitchers who were who have stayed in the rotation have somewhat of a bounce back in their spin rates as they've kind of adjusted to not having the sticky stuff. I think we might see something similar with Bundy. I think he's only really had like three or four or five starts since. So he hasn't had the time to adjust like some of the pitchers have. So I think we could see something in between the really terrible Bundy we've been seeing and the lights out Bundy that we were seeing last year. And um, well, we haven't seen it all this year, really, have we? Except we get lucky, but I think it's a great point, too. And the way I would look, think about it kind of in the top of my head is in reality, even that kind of middle Dylan Bundy. I think I might actually like him more than Josh Lindblom, as weird as that sounds. Um, it, it's it's a lot closer than it should be. Let's put it that way. But uh, that's that's an interesting conundrum to really think about come Sunday. Like I am not breaking the bank for Dylan Bundy, but it is one of those where I, I'm kind of on your side on this, where you see these guys that the initial no sticky, it gets ugly real quick. But we've seen like, even Garrett Cole. Like now he looks almost like the Garrett Cole you'd think he would be. Uh, you know, we've seen Giolito. He's got the goods. He's got the bads. You can tell he's still kind of figuring it out. But when he's on, he still looks like Giolito. I think we're going to see some of these guys uh, get better and better. And Bundy could definitely be one. Of, that's a very, very good point with the sticky stuff situation. Um, Anthony DiSclefani of my San Francisco Giants. And this was always my concern of the entire season is what happens when the pitching goes away. Well, Cueto's on the IL. Now Dylan or Anthony DiSclefani goes to the IL with a... They said it was an ankle sprain covering first base. Well, his velocity was down in that start also, so I'm kind of a little concerned on both aspects of that. But I think this opens the door for Sammy Long to come back up and get some more Sammy Long time, which has been good and bad. It's been a little bit of, of everything. What's your thoughts on Disco's injury and um, uh, potentially Long or someone else replacing him? 
Yeah, I have a nice real short note here, uh, and it just says, I'll concede to the Giants fan. So I feel like uh, you being the Giants fan, you watch them every day. Uh, you have an interest in them and what they'll be doing. I think anything I say has no value compared to what you'll be saying. So I'm just following you here, uh, knowing that one of your strengths is what's going on with the San Francisco Giants. Yeah, Disco, I, there have been no like real negative reports on this, so I'm just going to hope it's, hey, we're giving him a rest, his ankle will heal up. Like it's a it's cool type thing. And until then, I'm just gonna hold on to him and hope I get another month of starts out of disco. That, that, that's my thoughts here. He's been great. You've already got way more than you bargained for by grabbing Anthony Scafani. So just enjoy that. Flip side, Sammy Long's quite intriguing. He's more of a a matchup based pitcher. I'll be very honest about that. But when he's on, he's on. It's just he has to locate his pitches because he's not overpowering. And that's where it gets ugly with, with Sammy Long. But you've seen the starts he's dominated. He's painting, he looks like a a younger, not obviously as good, but like a younger Tom Glavin, like maybe Steve Avery. Let's go Steve Avery of the old days where he's locating on the corners. He's got a couple off speed pitches like and when he's working it, he's very good. But if he's not locating, it's uh, it's not good at all. So that that's where I would look on that one. That's why it's going to be an interesting week. You got Sammy Long, like Limblom, Jeffries, Bundy. None of these names like maybe Jeffries, like you really, really want to run to. But there all could be some fantasy viability in these four in the next couple weeks, which is kind of terrifying, actually. Uh, you Darvish to the IL. I don't know if let's just get the, they say it's like a back issue. He's already throwing. He's going to be back right away. Do you think this was just a, Hey, you had a rough couple starts. Let's clear your head moment. I mean, absolutely. I, I think this is a great thing. I think they may have planned this. That's yeah. kind of the vibe I get from it. Um, he has, a, I think, over a 7 ERA since July. So if I'm a Darvish um, owner, I'm kind of happy. He gets that IL uh, designation. I can just slot him in there real quick. He gets to you know, just take a deep breath. And then when he comes back, he's probably going to be the U Darvish of old. So this, I think this is a great thing for Darvish. Yeah, I'm with you there. Like, I just laughed because only a couple of days after being on the IL, he's already thrown bullpens. I'm like, yeah, he's fine. He's totally fine. I mean, <laughs> the important question here is, does this mean we all get to watch Arietta pitch for the Padres again? Oh, dude, as a guy that does DFS content five days a week, it's like I, people follow me enough on Twitter. You saw how excited I was when I saw that they were doing <laughs> tours. Like that was the, yeah, God. You, what is with these teams that think they can bring these guys on their roster and they're going to fix them? Like, really, what What do you see? How desperate are you that you're bringing I mean, Arietta? Like, what? I, it's, it's particularly for the Padres. I mean, they're in a very precarious spot right now. They're not, they do not have that big of a lead right now in the in the uh, NL wildcard, to be honest. And the Reds, they were surging there for a little bit. They've cooled off somewhat, but there are teams that are knocking on the door. They really cannot be messing around with players like Arietta. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there, and that that's the um, that's the interesting part there. And the other part about it is, what's that mean about guys like Mackenzie Gore? Like, are they just done with him? Are are they like what do you? Because you've you've called up your hitting prospect with no problems the last couple of years. You've called up some other pitchers like Ryan Weathers and some others. If Gore's this elite prospect, and we saw him pitch really well in spring, it's like. This seems like a great chance to go get him out there. Don't know about you, but and and they don't want to do it. So that's kind of the question I have. Like, what are we doing here? So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's really only like the fifth or sixth red flag we've had on Gore at this point. So yeah. it, it is it is extremely concerning, but it's also more it's just more of the same at this point. I think they're giving us loud and clear messages about their thoughts on Gore at the moment. Yeah, that's that's that was my my biggest takeaway from that, and I know other people said it too. Like I'm not saying that was all me, and I'm not the biggest dynasty guy, but I I had like a couple leagues, and I have Gore on one of them, and I was really tempted to be like, 
okay, who wants to make a trade that's not paying attention <laughs> to this right now? Because this does not make me feel all warm and fuzzy. That's all I know. Um, it, it made me laugh, though, when they grabbed Arietta. It's like, okay, they get Arietta. I laughed so much when the Dodgers grabbed Cole Hamels and paid him a million bucks, and he's not even going to see the mound for them. Like it, it's, I don't understand what these teams are doing. Like the Giants, they're idiots for taking Tyler Chatwood, but at least they didn't break the bank for him. Yeah, I, <laughs> I just don't get it sometimes. All right, Dylan Carlson went to the IL with a wrist sprain, but right before we started recording, I saw he's he's rehabbing, should be back pretty close to the minimum, so that shouldn't be a concern. The only thing I was going to ask you is Austin Dean got the call, and like sometimes he's like a cult favorite because he does things. Do you have any interest in a guy like Austin Dean? Because by the time we have Fab, he might not even matter. No, per- personally, I'm I'm more of a, a Lars Newt Bar guy myself. I mean, first the name, but I think he also can provide some things that are hard to find, such as batting average. I know he hasn't shown it in his short stints in the MLB yet, but um, I kind of just have this thing mostly for uh, St. Louis outfielders. I mean, I love Harrison Bader way too much. I love Carlson way too much. Um, I mean, who doesn't love Tyler Broneal? So. Yes, they have quite. The, and it's it's perennially they have quite the outfield situation. They either trade away stud outfielders that perform elsewhere. They have them on their roster. They just they, they do something like you know you have football teams that are running back you and stuff. But the the Cardinals are like outfielder you. It's it's, it's pretty good stuff there. I, I like Newbar too. It's kind of a shame he kind of got the first time around got sent down earlier than I thought he would, and he's up now doing things. But I don't know for how long that'll be either. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. Kyle Tucker's on the COVID IL. Initial reports were it was just you know, safety protocols, blah blah blah. Then Dusty Baker says he will be he won't be back anytime this week. And we'll see next week. So pretty much tells me he has COVID is what that came down to. They just didn't want to say it, and it seemed like it was bad enough to be like, yeah, he ain't coming back anytime soon. We haven't had any reports since then, and so it's very tough to to. And you're not dropping Kyle Tucker. That's not my question here. <laughs> but are, are you um are you running to go grab a guy like a McCormick or, or any of the other outfielders that are getting some regular playing time right now, knowing he will be back probably sooner than later? Yeah. With a guy like Tucker, who we know will be back. We just don't know when I feel pretty comfortable picking up his, who I'm, seems to be his direct backup. Um, and he might even find some more playing time. That's uh, I think his name's Jake Myers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know like kind of where this dude came from to be perfectly honest, kind of exposing myself a little bit there, but he crushed it in the minors this year. He's on quite the hot streak now. Um, and I, I mentioned earlier, I don't really like to follow hot streaks, but if there's one time when I, when I do uh, kind of believe in a hot streak, it is when a player first comes up and there's really no data on him for the pitchers, no book on him. And so I think he might be a great fill for Kyle Tucker until Tucker comes back. Cause I, I presume that to not be all too long. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping we see him sometime next week, but it's just weird. We've had like zero reports about anything going on in the situation but yeah i'm with you that myers is playing pretty well and uh, he, he's worth writing it out while you can maybe probably get him for like a buck like it ain't gonna cost a lot of money to get him for the week or something see how that plays out uh jesse winker went to the il and it reports as of thursday he has yet to even begin baseball activities so i think it sounds like this injury is a little worse than we bargained for um obviously you could listen to this on friday and all of a sudden he's doing baseball activities again. that's always possible but when the report came out saying that i was like oh darn and Tyler Naquin, you know, he tore it up early in the year. Then he went Tyler Naquin and struggled, went to like a platoon role. But now he's starting every day. He's swinging it really well again. He's hitting second on Thursday night. Um, how aggressive would you be to grab a guy like Naquin? Because we've talked about some other kind of flyer guys, but we know what Naquin can do. And he gets great American small park. 
if say Winker's missing the next half to longer of the season, that's regular time for Naquin. I did not realize that Winker's injury was that bad or uh, had the potential of being that bad. But um, to be honest, Naquin's a guy I kind of have in a lot of places already. So um, as far as like my belief in him, I do believe um, in his value. I believe in his value for more than just this year, to be perfectly honest. I think he's a guy that could find his way into some playing time really um, whenever, because I think he is pretty legit. Um, However, we there are uh, quite a few options, I think, and so I'm not breaking the bank for him um, specifically because we kind of know what his upside looks like, and we know that um, he doesn't sustain it for all too long. So I think I'd, I'd rather just put out a bunch of uh, low bids and just get whoever my league seems to be overlooking um, as opposed to breaking the bank for someone such as Naquin, even though I do believe in him. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh it is Naquin, so anything's possible. I just pulled up the the, the uh, Winker news again. It's the intercostal strain. He's doing some strengthening exercises, but he has not even come close, they said, to starting baseball activities. He was eligible to return at the end of next week, and that's not looking even close to likely, they said. So we'll wait and see. Maybe it's just another two weeks instead of you know one, but it's it's kind of odd that that is taking place. Couple more bits of news that dropped on Thursday. Jose Urquidy is set to begin a rehab assignment in the Florida Gulf Complex League on Thursday, which is great because he's been on the IL since late June. If he has a couple more rehab starts to go well, you could see him in early September, which means maybe three to four starts of Urquidy, which is very valuable for the way Urquidy was pitching. And the reason I want to bring it up is he's probably available because people probably dropped him in a lot of places. Um, you don't have to be super aggressive, but do you kind of agree that this is one of those kind of potential game-changing type arms to stash if you can stash? Absolutely, 100%. I think the Astros, even though in my mind are the clear class of the AL, they have been quite unlucky this year and really have not distanced themselves from the A's or even if the A's manage to get past them, the uh, second wild card spot should the Red Sox turn it around, should the Blue Jays um, get hot. Um, or sh- I mean, they have their run- the Blue Jays' run differential is ridiculous. You think that there has to be something more there, but I think from that alone, the Astros are going to be aggressive in bringing your Kitty up, and we already know your Kitty um, is and can be a stud. So absolutely, he's a guy I'm taking a chance on. If I have room, I'm picking him up. Yeah, the last, and I'm with you. I got I picked him up the last time he came coming off the IL. I used him until I got hurt again. I dropped him. I'll be where I can stash him this week. I'll be stashing him 100, percent and hopefully. Uh, people can get him for cheap this week because the closer we get to him coming back, the more expensive he'll get. So uh, get him while you can. And then the last bit of news, this isn't like crazy, crazy news, but Eric Koss, who's been one of the like darling surprises at the catcher position for all the power he brings, he's on the IL with a right abdominal strain retroactive to the 16th. So I believe he can return as early as the 26th, 27th, give or take, which is like the end of next week. So there's something to keep in mind if you're rostering him. Uh, Wilson Contreras looks like he'll be back at the minimum. So that's a good thing when you're looking at catcher injuries, but uh, nothing too crazy on that one. All right, let's get into some players that uh, have called up or might get called up, but uh, have been playing pretty well. And they might be worth some bids this week or might be worth just saying, nope, this is not going to happen type stuff. So I was just kind of scrolling through players that have been playing well over the last month of August, maybe two weeks or so. And one name that got called up was Michael Hermosillo. And um, he's he's not like a high, high-ranked prospect, but he's a young player playing well in the Cubs system. Uh, this season at AAA, he had 10 home runs, eight steals, hitting 306. We've seen him show some power and speed in the minors before with okay average. And uh, he's getting the start every day right now. Went deep on, I believe it was on Wednesday, actually. 
So what's your thoughts on a guy like Hermosillo? Like, again, a lot of these guys you can probably get for small bids this week in fab, but that's what we're looking for. And sometimes, like you mentioned, or also with, um, like you mentioned, Myers, some of these, like, just, you know, you're going to get them while they're hot and then drop them type guys. Hermosillo could be one of those guys also. So what's your thoughts on Hermosillo as we uh, head towards Sunday fab? Yeah, it ultimately boils down to one question for me, and I think it might be hard to answer by the time Fab rolls around, but is he going to play every day? Um, Because when it comes to hitters and when it comes to streaming hitters in particular, um, the ultimately the number one thing you want to look for is people who not only play every day, but are going to get at bats. So the first day he got called up, he was not in the lineup and it caused roster resource to designate him as someone who's in a platoon. Um, however, he did then uh, on the short side of the platoon, I might add. And then the next game he did get an at bat again or did get the start against a righty. So if that continues, if we see that he's starting against righties this weekend, I do not believe they have a game today. Um, but if we see him starting tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday against a righty, then I think that is a guy I'm going to take a chance on because he's playing every day. And at this point, you can't really be too picky when it comes to playing time. Yep, that's why I thought he was interesting. And some, uh, you know, there's a lot of Cubs people on Twitter, but uh, some people that I know that really follow the Cubs pretty closely were very excited when he got called up. So it got my radar kind of looking at the idea, but I'm 100% with you too. It's like, if he's not going to play every day, I'd rather take a chance on Myers, who's going to play every day for a week, or some of these other guys we've talked about. I, I'm much more in line with, with you on that one as well. Keegan Thompson. This is a, a name people have been, been looking forward to for quite some time. Uh, Chicago Cubs pitching in AAA this year. Um, so far in AAA, he's only pitched uh, 14 and two-thirds innings, pitched well, but he's had 40 innings in the bigs with the Cubs. He had three wins. You know, um, He's mainly out of the bullpen, though. They're saying they, then they sent him down to AAA to get stretched out, essentially, because that's what he was for the most part in the minors. They're going to bring him back up, possibly for a start this Saturday. We know the Cubs need rotation help. So, again, we've mentioned the Jeffries, the Lindblom, the Bundys, the Long. Keegan Thompson could join this list come Sunday. What's your kind of thoughts on Keegan Thompson? Obviously, if he has a, a bad outing, it might change things. If he has a great outing, it could really suck for all of us that want to get him. But what's your thoughts on Thompson? Yeah, so at this point in the season, uh, kind of what I was just saying about hitters, but he can't be too picky. So if, and it seems very likely that he'll get the call, um, he goes ahead of anyone on the list who we don't know for sure is getting the call. I'm I'm siding with anyone who I know is going to be in a rotation right now, even with the upside of some of those guys. Like if we don't see confirmation that Jeffries is coming up, I'm sorry, but I can't spend fab on him this week. Um but if we see a Jeffries is coming up, if we see a Lynn Bloom is coming up, if we see all those guys we've talked to are coming up, I'm going to be honest, Thompson falls pretty low on that list to me. Um, and it's really for uh, one simple reason. He kind of profiles as a pitcher who relies a lot on his command and his ability to limit walks. And this year in his uh, 40.2 innings pitched, he's in the 13th percentile in walks, which is the wrong side of the percentiles that you want to be in. Sometimes I get them flip-flop what's good what's bad when it comes to percentiles 13th percentile is terrible um if you look on baseball savant that's a nice big blue circle um and so if this is a guy that in the majors this year struggled with control and yet he needs his control to be a successful starting pitcher then i'd rather stay away from him at this point until i see that his command is back yeah no that's very very understandable because i know another kind of prospect hype train but he hasn't hasn't dominated when he's had his chance, so it'll be quite interesting. But I know um, Prospect World is very excited to see him come Saturday. Maybe he'll show us something new that he picked up in the minors in his recent go. But, again, you mentioned a lot of that is 
looking at his game logs and his four minor league starts, never got to five innings in any of them. So he's got that going against him as well. So we'll, we'll see how that one goes. Um, two Royals pitchers to talk about. We'll go one at a time here. We'll start with Brady Singer. And, you know, big-time prospects. He's had some good starts. He's had some bad starts. Overall, lately, though, we've seen kind of a mix of both. We saw a great start against Houston on Wednesday, six and two-thirds, two earned six Ks. He had back-to-back hiccups against the Yankees in Baltimore. Pitched really good for about four starts in a row, five starts in a row. What's your thoughts on Brady Singer going forward? Because he's probably available in most 12-team leagues and maybe occasionally a 15. You know, I feel like at this point we have a pretty comfortable understanding of who Brady Singer is. Um, someone who he obviously is not going to be exactly like a mid-four ZRA guy every single game, but when things average out by the end of the season, that's probably going to be about where he is. And so unless I'm in a situation where I really just need someone who is safe um, and consistent, um, I'm probably going to avoid Brady Singer in favor of anyone who presents some sort of upside, um, specifically his teammate that we're about to talk about is someone I definitely would look at if he's available uh, all the like all day long over Brady Singer. Um, so really only if you really cannot afford missing on someone would I go with Brady Singer. And I am 100% on board with that take on his teammate, Daniel Lynch. He's not even 25 yet. And he was a big-time prospect coming in because he was one of the top draft picks a couple of years ago by the Kansas City Royals. And his first couple of starts looked like he was a young prospect. It was not pretty at all. And you could probably guess the, the, the between the jitters, the adrenaline, you name it, it happened. Went back to the minors, figured some things out. And he got called back up to pitch on July 25th. He's made five starts now. He's gone at least five innings in four of the five. He's given up three earned or less in each start. And he has five or more Ks in um, – three straight starts, which is outstanding. He has, he still has a little bit of a walk issue, like a 9% walk, which isn't dreadful, but 12 and a half percent swinging strike really stands out to me as something we can kind of use towards the positive here. So I'm with you on Daniel Lynch. What is it that you like about Daniel Lynch? Um, I mean, he, so he has gotten a little lucky um, since he's been called up. I mean, I think he has a 2.35 ERA in that span. I don't expect him to do that. However, it is worth mentioning that he's in those five games that he's pitched. He played the Tigers. They're, they're a better offense than people think, but then he faced the Blue Jays, the White Sox, the Yankees, the Astros, really just an absolute gauntlet of offenses you do not want to be facing right now. And even if he was a little lucky, he performed. I mean, that's got to be extremely eye catching. The other thing I like about him is that um, as a whole, if you look at his stats on the whole season, so you look at his baseball savant page, you look at just like simple stats like his ERA, they look terrible, even though he's turned it around of recent just because he started so poorly at the beginning of the season. So that means Lynch is someone I might be able to get a little cheaper than I really should be able to um, for people who aren't exactly paying attention who are, and who are just clicking like, oh, 5.8 ERA and all blue circles on baseball savant. Like that's not someone I'm interested in. Um, he should be someone you're interested in. And we have to remember he jumped from, I think it was high a to triple a. Um, and so of course he was going to struggle. I don't think we should have expected anything other than struggles with making such an absurd leap. And I think we just got to trust the Royals here that they know something that they're willing to allow him to make that leap after the COVID year um, and throw him into even the MLB rotation. 100% with you. Uh, I was a big fan of what he had coming in. I didn't break the bank to get him like others did, so I didn't have a lot of chances to grab him the first go-round. guess I lucked out on that one, but I was all about what I've seen so far. And like, and one big thing for me is um, those matchups, like you said. like Those were not – like the White Sox and the Jays were even on the road to top it off. Like He was not getting the most comfortable settings, the best matchups, and he sat there like a big boy, and he dealt. 
So that showed me a lot. And is he going to have bad starts still? Yes. He's a young pitcher. There's going to be hiccups. That is the That's how the world works. But um, I am I do feel good about what we have with him. And it will be even really fun to see, you know, in our November, December content creation world is uh, where he goes in drafts. I want to see where people kind of get hyped up. And obviously the last month or so will impact that a lot. But I think there's a lot to like about Lynch going in 2022 as well, besides just the finish of the 2021 season. Uh, Corey Kluber is ramping up his rehab. Things are looking pretty good. Uh, they, I think they want like two or three more starts from him in rehab. Could be back in early September. Most people that listen to the show know I am anti Corey Kluber to begin with, but he had his moments. He had the no no. He did good things this year. I get it. I just believe there's a lot less good than bad. Could be totally wrong. Um, regardless, A, how do you feel about him coming back? And B, the question that I really want to know is when he comes back to that rotation, eventually Pedro Severino might come back because his shoulder issues got cleared up on Thursday. They say he's fine. Um, you got Garrett Cole, you got Jomo, you got Heaney, uh, you got Jamison Tyon, who's been the, the pitcher of the month in July, and you got Nestor Cortez, who's been good. So something's got to give. What do you think happens? Um, so I'm just going to preface my answer by saying I am a Red Sox fan and a very stereotypical Red Sox so fan. Hope Cooper comes back and pitches five times, but no kidding. <laughs> um, so what I'll say is I just in general have tr- have trouble trusting the Yankees with uh, rehabbing their injury prone players. Um, that may be very biased lens. I am seeing that through, but I do have that concern going in. Um, I will say that I was very anti Kluber heading into the year. And I think I was, uh, well, I know I was at this point pretty wrong with how anti I was. Um, I think he was pretty good when he was healthy. Um, and so I'm willing to admit that. So, um, I really can't co- really tell anyone to pick up a Yankee. I just it, it's so against me. But I really I think when if you want to stash someone right now, I'm looking at someone like we mentioned earlier, like your Kitty over someone like Kluber, just because he is a little brittle. The Yankees don't have the best injury history. They do have all these different arms they can go to right now, um, and so they really have no reason to rush him back. Um, and so for those reasons, I'm keeping my eye on Kluber. I'm definitely seeing if he progresses. We're still in the stage where he went out there through three innings, gave up three earned runs, and they're saying things like, we're so pleased and encouraged. So he's not really that close. That's kind of the stage we're in with him. But I'm keeping my eye on him if I'm you know, not a Red Sox fan, keeping an eye. Uh, but there are definitely other uh, injured players like your kid I'd rather roster right now. And that's the other thing is they do have options. We mentioned Cortez, um, Luis Eel, who we, he's pitching great. It's like they can bring Kluber back for like an opener piggyback situation. And then his fantasy value is really not a whole lot at all. So that, that's something to keep in mind as well. If they're happy with three innings right now, I know they want to slow roll him back. That's why they're saying maybe early September for him. Like they want him for the postseason, obviously. So it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out for sure. Frank Schwindel. First off, great name. Second off, he's a lot of fun to watch because he's just having fun out there playing baseball. I think he realizes the Cubs sold it. They gave me a job for two months. Let's have some fun. So that's pretty cool, too. Month of August, basically, since the trade deadline, the dude has hit safely in 15 of 16 ball games. He's hitting 397, uh, striking out less than 20% of the time. He's got four home runs. He's hitting second for the Cubs almost every game for like the last week. Still available on a lot of waiver wires. As a hitting streamer expert here, What's your thoughts on uh, Frank Schwindel? Yeah, so you said, I think, the key piece of information there. So let's just ignore for a second, even though it's true that Schwindel has been basically the best hitter in baseball since he's been called up. Mm. That's actually not hyperbole. No, he's it's like, true. 
it's 100 been true. insane. Um, so ignore that. Even ignore that. You said he's hitting second every day for an MLB lineup. And even though that MLB lineup is completely filled with minor league players, it is still an MLB lineup. He's playing every day. He's getting tons of at-bats. I think even look at our examples from the beginning of the year. Let's look at the Rangers. Not a great offense, but let's look at the top of their order. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Adolis, or Adelis Garcia, Nate Lowe. Um, they've come on hard times of recent, but those players have returned tons of value. And it's really even in a terrible offense because they are playing every day at the top of the lineup. I think Schwindel is a no-brainer if he's available. It's such a safe option with someone who plays every day who hits who's hitting second. I'm at at this point in the season to have someone like that available, you have to go and get him. And he's going to be cheap. He's going to be very cheap. So let's let's have some fun with this. The rest of the season projections from the Bat X has him at four home runs the rest of the way. You have over under. Over. Uh, they have him at 10 runs scored. Obviously, if he's hitting second, I'm going over. What about you? I mean, if he's hitting four home runs, that's, that's already true. four. So that means six other. I mean, that's easy yeah. over, right? I think that's that's. I think that's the projections way of saying the Cubs are this bad. It's going to be four solo homers. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not going he's to. Like hit, he's hitting second. Like yeah, I, I don't even care if it's runs. the Cubs. That's automatic four at-bats a game yep, it's at huge. minimum. It's huge. Um, and then they have him for 13 RBIs. Obviously, if you have for more, more than four homers, hopefully a couple three-run homers, you got the over there as well. I, I think I'm going to take that over for everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then somehow like, man, the projections hate him. I, I guess they're just factoring in some weird stuff. Like I guess it's hard to project a guy that doesn't have a lot of MLB experience either trying to use minor league data. Cause they also only have him hitting 238 the rest of the way. Like he's obviously not hitting 400. I get it, but I think he could hit like 260, 270. Like let's be real about it. So yeah, I'm all in on Frank Schwindel. I'm with you on that one. That's why I like rest of season projections. Some of them are very useful. But sometimes you gotta be like, okay, let's just kind of throw this one out the window for a minute because things are things are changing on this one. Miami Marlins. Now this is one that uh, is is a fun one because you got Lou Brenton who is streaking. He's kind of slowing down now, but he's he was streaking, hitting cleanup. He's been awesome. You have Jesus Sanchez just came back from the COVID IL, a rather long stint on the COVID IL, which really started to concern me actually after a while because there was nothing, no news, nothing. He was gone. Home run the other night. We know what he can do. He's hitting fifth. You have Brian De La Cruz playing left field. He's hitting eighth most nights. Then they still have some other pieces that can mix and match with Magnus Sierra and some other guys. But mainly, you got De La Cruz, Brenson, and Sanchez. For the rest of the season, how do you go about – if all these guys are on the waiver wire, how do you uh, recommend going after these three? Uh, so before I answer that question, let's let's just say hypothetically speaking, you are – you have a wedding to plan, uh, you have, and then you have a honeymoon. And so, like, for a month, you're not paying as close attention as maybe you could. How would you explain to that person, hypothetically speaking, how Lewis Brinson has all of a sudden become such a hot commu- a commodity in the fantasy community? Yeah, it's because he hit, like, every single day, multiple multi-hit games, was hitting for power. Um, he was just raking. The only thing he's not doing is stealing bases, which we thought he would as a prospect, so that was kind of surprising. But he was driving in runs. The dude was a monster for about almost a like two week span there. And he's like slowing down a bit, but he's still being productive enough because he's free and he's on the Marlins and hitting cleanup every day. So it's, it's, it's a weird dynamic. Like the problem is we've seen him get cold and it's really cold. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's where we're headed, but um, yeah, the dude was a monster and it's kind of, it was funny to many, trust me. <laughs> so uh second second question in relation to this how how do you feel about uh let's say hypothetically speaking a 30 percent k rate and a five percent walk rate is that good no but what i will say on the flip side is 
A, the new era of baseball, it's actually kind of closer to average, which is good. And B, <laughs> as a Giants fan, I had the hardest time explaining Stephen Duggar striking out like 45% of the time, but hitting him like he did. Some guys just refuse to like fall into the norm, but I'm with you. Not ideal at all. Like that's it, it basically the answer I'll give you guys that do the 5%, 30% or worse thing, it's easier for them just to fall off the cliff. Exactly. Um, and the reason I asked is because so Brinson's at 27% K, 5.5% walk. Uh, Jesus Sanchez is exactly 30%, 5%. Brian De La Cruz is 30%, 4.3% walk rate. And so like they're kind of all in that really concerning area. And so again, like I'm going with playing time. So if they're available, I'm kind of just going to get uh, rest of the season, take whoever is going to get the most at bats. Um, that's pretty much a toss up at this point between Jesus Sanchez and Lewis Brinson. But for me, De, De La Cruz being eighth every day in a lineup, uh, in an NL lineup, meaning the pitcher sitting after him, um, that he's definitely a distant last for me. But I have some interest in the other two just because, again, they're playing every day. They're going to be getting at bats. Yeah, in 15-team leagues, I'd say Sanchez and De La Cruz – or not, Sanchez and, and Brenson should probably be rostered in most formats for now unless, like, you're feeling great about your outfit, which you could be. That's fine. Uh, 12-team leagues, might not have to worry about them. You might be okay in that regard. But it is crazy because they're playing every day, and the Marlins offense, as bad as the Marlins are, like, Miguel Rojas can hit. Aguilar's hitting well. Uh, Brian Anderson came back, and he kind of started hitting well. Like, if you get those guys to click just enough, again, you're getting four plus that bats for – for Sanchez and Brinson every day. And like, if they strike out a lot, that's fine. But then that's the other, you know, two thirds of the time or whatever, three quarters of the time they produce some for it. So it's, it's a, it's a weird dynamic and I'm with you hundred percent. Like I was always anti Brinson. And then I started watching him and I'm like, what in the world? Like he was, hitting <laughs> it was unbelievable. It's locked in. And I, and the, the, the thing I, I say sometimes and literally no stat cast page, nothing. He's still young and he was still a top prospect something maybe finally clicked when he was down in triple a it's like something some guys just develop differently we'll see it could literally just be a hot streak but uh, it was it was very surprising to say the least uh, a couple more guys to talk about here and this is another young player that uh, really has my attention that's tristan mckenzie um a, a guy that very very hyped up coming up the prospect system and he's had a, a roller coaster ride in the major so far some really great starts some really rocks rough starts but overall, since like the, the start of July, he's only had like two really bad starts. He throws out like five really good starts in that mix, and we're coming off eight shutout innings of one hit, eleven strikeout ball at Detroit. Is Detroit? But hey, Detroit scored ten runs on Thursday, and they have a sneakier offense than you want to give them credit for. Still not great, but sneaky. What are you thinking about Tristan McKenzie going forward? Because like I said, we've seen some of the bad. We're starting to see more good than bad right now. Um. I love him. This is a simple one for me. Uh, last year when we saw um, his success, when he had a sub one whip, we saw uh, stellar control. And then to start the year, um, he gets, uh, I think he's walking literally a batter an inning almost. Um, and now in his last seven starts, all of a sudden he's walking only one batter every nine innings. He's, well, he's a little more than that, more like 1.5. But still, I mean, the it's clear that he's made some shift here. He's looking more like the form um, he was in last year when we were all very excited about him heading into the season. So um, I like what I'm seeing from him. He's an, obviously a guy with tremendous upside. So I'm all aboard Tristan McKenzie right now. I'm with you there too. And it's like a Cleveland thing, man. They just keep developing pitchers. Now, obviously, Plesak's kind of fallen off this past season, but Savali has been good. Uh, Bieber, 
Plesak was good. And like I say, he's not Carrasco is good back in the day. Like they have a way of doing it there. Now you got Tristan McKenzie coming up. So he'll be a fun one for the rest of this season and going into next season. And his teammate, Elon Morgan, I want to talk about in his last seven starts, basically dating back to July 3rd, five or more innings in six or seven, three or runs or less in six or seven. He has five or more K's in like half his starts. Again, not lighting the world on fire with his production, but in a world where you can't be too picky, like he's serviceable. He's not destroying you. He's giving you chances to get wins. What's your thoughts on Eli Morgan, at least for the rest of this season? Yeah, so I have a lot more hesitancy with someone like Eli Morgan and um, don't want to spoil anything, but the other, the next pitcher who I see is very similar um, in a similar boat on, on your list here. But um, to me, it feels a lot like we're chasing someone here. Um there's not a lot to like about Eli Morgan. Um, according to his savant page, the only thing he's really that good at is limiting walks. And in his two most recent games where uh, he walked this, tied for the second most batters he's walked this season and the most batters in one game. So he's starting to walk people. Um, maybe that actually is correlating a little bit to his success because he's not just throwing it down the middle. I'm not entirely sure, but I just, I mean, I just get a little concerned and I know you can't be too picky, but it does seem like this is a guy who maybe just had a good month and now we're all trying to jump on board too late. Um, and so, I, I mean, like you said, though, it's Cleveland, so. Maybe he's yeah. legit. I don't know. Yeah, because yeah, trust me, like even the next guy we talk about and some other guys, I might just ask you like quick hitter questions on just for fun. There's a bunch of these kind of guys where I'm just like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I, I'm trying to just stay focused and not chase things. Like you said, like, hey, it's been good for four starts. And then you realize he blows up for the next three because that's who these young pitchers are. And that that like it could happen at the same time, like with, with Morgan, I'm like, it's Cleveland. And they find a way to use location and maybe just a little off. It's why he's walking guys this go around, but overall still has kind of good stuff. Like you wouldn't be surprised if he puts five inning, three run outings the rest of the way type thing. So it, it's interesting with him. I think matchup dependency. I think a lot of these guys are going to be matchup dependents, like stream them for the week, drop them, stream them for the week, drop them. Whatever you guys do could be an angle here. So Eli Morgan checks that box. Uh, the next guy we're going to talk about here is Griffin Jacks. And this is one that I've seen his name talked about quite a bit of late because his strikeout rate has slowly been increasing because people said uh, his pitch mix change has increased. And that's why even though he only struck out three last time, he struck out 10 against the White Sox previously to that. But as a whole, you know, two or three runs or less in five straight starts has looked promising. Um, five, five innings pitched or more in four straight starts has looked promising. What's your thoughts on Jackson? What is it that makes you hesitant on him as well? Yeah, again, I think it's maybe we're chasing something. We're hoping to see uh, a reason for his success. I don't know if we're going to so easily buy into him after the 10K performance. I don't know why we wouldn't so easily be hesitant after the 3K performance. Um, I mean, that is one of all teams. (laughs) Yeah, it's a vastly different outcome. Um, and I know he'd had the 10 Ks against a great offense, but like you said, three Ks, not against a very good offense after they traded away a few pieces. Um, I'm the only reason I'm really intrigued by him is I saw that he was the third most picked up, uh, pitcher or no, sorry, third most picked up player in main event leagues. Um, so the, I mean, those are your leagues with the best fantasy baseball players in the world, but at the same time, those are the leagues where anyone who all of a sudden looks like they're going to be a starting pitcher every day with any promise is going to be picked up. So I, I don't know. I, I Again, it feels like a little bit like we're chasing something here. I, I could be wrong, but I'm comfortable being wrong here. I'd rather take a chance on a guy at the beginning um, and get that uh, hot streak than you know, try and jump in after he's already perhaps overperforming. Um, but, um, you know, 
just chasing production never feels like the smart thing to do. Yeah. Um, the other one I, I have is his teammate, and that's the one I pulled up the first time, and I realized I didn't have him on the outline. But I wanted to ask you about Bailey Ober on the flip side of this because he seems like he's flicked the switch. This is a guy I was really excited about early, had some hiccups, but maybe similar to Lynch. I think Lynch is much better. Don't get me wrong. But similar to Lynch, he's young and maybe started to figure things out. In his last five starts, five innings or more in four or five, he's uh, three and runs or less in all five. And we've seen more consistent strikeout productions, three or more in each one, but five or more in three of his last four. And I will say before I give you the floor is um, that Michael Simeone guy, he said um, <laughs> you know, against the Astros where he, he looks really strong, a 35% CSW in that one. He saw his four seam improved. So he's seen like a pitch mix improvement with Bailey Ober is what I've seen. I've also seen slider usage things about Ober and company. But what's your thoughts on Ober going forward compared to like Jackson Morgan and these guys? I mean, if you're, if you're, are you telling me my boss likes him? Because I'm not sure I can say I don't like him. If no, my you boss can't because him. he won't listen to the show, I promise. <laughs> oh, 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 man. I'll have, to, I'll have to get on him for that. Um, at the very least, he's got to be supporting his employees. Yes. Whatever exactly. you want to call us. But, um, you know, I, I buy in a little more to Bailey Ober than the other guy just because he said this is a guy that didn't, his uh, production hasn't uh, seemed to come out. Um, of nowhere like the other guys kind of have and maybe that's just some ignorance on my uh, behalf of knowing um, a little more about who Ober was heading into the season but I just always am more likely to buy into someone who we already had a reason to like before the production instead of a person that only gave us a reason to like them after the production yeah I'm with you there so if you had to and obviously matchups are dependent so this is kind of just a shot in the dark thing Ober Jack's Morgan, maybe some of these other guys, the Jeffries, the Limblomp, the Bundys, the Longs, who are like two or three that you prefer to go after this week? Um, I mean, if we, so actually, so I think Jeffries probably, if we get confirmation that he's coming up, if we get confirmation that Limbloom's coming up, I kind of, I'm kind of super curious. I mean, we've had so many reasons to like him and the AAA production is very good. Um, and like you said, um, when I mean, okay, I almost change. I, I'll, I'll just stick with my guns. I think those two would be my top two if we get confirmation that they're coming up. If I'm looking for a safe option, someone who I really can't risk doing poorly, I think Singer's my my go-to guy. We talked about him. I know I didn't talk about him with incredible praise, but again, like sometimes you really just need the safe guy, um, and you can't really get picky. But I, I think I'll take those two guys who we don't know if they're getting called up. Okay. Those, like are, those are my options. like that a lot. Uh, a couple of listener questions here, and then we'll wrap this bad boy up. Um, I got this one in a DM, but it's a pretty pretty standard question. Uh, GTP underscore baseball, that's B-E-I-S-B-O-L. He says he's doing rather well in a few of his NFBC DCs. He's got sizable leads and multiple teams either in the money or on the fringe. However, I can't seem to break through these point plateaus. Never really progressing past my current point totals. Do you have any advice on roster construction to attack certain categories, or do you just keep rolling out the best lineups each week? Hope that made sense. Appreciate the help. So you see what he's saying? Like, do I build my lineup focusing on power, even though it might struggle in average or whatever, or do I keep just, you know, in a DC half the time, you're like, I just want to put the best players out there. So how would you go about it, uh, trying to get over these point plateaus? Um. 
You know, there's there's a couple thoughts immediately come to mind, not knowing all the specifics of the situation, although I do understand the situation. I think the first thing is you always um, are going to get more reward with more risk. Um, so you might have to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation where you know that this could totally blow up in your face. But if it hits, it's going to vault you um, uh, past this plateau you seem to be at. But uh, if you don't feel comfortable risking, you kind of like, I- I'd rather just sit in this plateau. If there's one thing I'm really chasing, it's going to be power. Um, because home runs, if you, someone hits a home run, they also get a run. They also get an RBI. So when we say like all this person really provides you is home runs, that's not entirely true. They also can provide you a nice source of runs in RBI. Of course, if their team sucks, one RBI, one run with a home run isn't all too good. But in general, like when we're saying like this guy's just a stolen base guy, when that means they're truly just a stolen base guy. When we say someone's just a home run guy, there's potential to provide a little bit more there just because a home run also means one run and one RBI. Yep. I'm with you. And that's one thing uh, we've talked about on a few shows, uh, just chasing or not chasing, but going after certain categories is the way I look at it. And it's hard because it's like multiple parts to it. Like you said, it's okay. I'm going to go here, but how much wiggle room do I have to lose an average? Does what can I lose more points in average by going after home runs type thing? Like there, there's the whole yin and the yang of the whole situation. So I'm with you. I'm always for, and I, I, I also, I rarely chase ratios because at this point in the year, it's so hard to move up and rate, move up in ratios. You can move down surprisingly quickly. It's hard to move up in ratios. So I would say if it's like, um, if it's power, like you said, home run guys, yes. On um, the pitching side of it, if you need wins, I'm good with just not putting relievers in. I'm cool with that type of scenario. If you are not in need of wins, but you want strikeouts or something, I'm good with not starting many starting pitchers and starting middle relievers and closers. So, it, like you said, there's there's more to it that we need. But I think the gist of it is I'm okay chasing categories. Just don't chase ratios. But before you lock it all in, just make sure – if you start stumbling because of your focus on this category that you can't lose more than you're going to gain type thing. That'd be my biggest thing. Cause that happens a lot. And like, I know, um, Eno Saris mentioned it uh, on a recent rates and barrels. He made a trade to improve in steals, but he traded an OBP guy. Cause he thought he was good in OBP. Well, he gained six points in steals and lost four points in OBP. So did he really gain enough to make it a difference? That's a trade situation, but it still can happen when you're rostering different players. So something to think about. All right, one last question. Again, I don't know why I keep saying his name, but he he's always involved. Mr. Michael Simeone asked, make sure to ask about his unhealthy obsession with reality TV. So let's talk about it because uh, <laughs> I, I watch I watch some as background fodder or just like turn my brain off. This is so dumb, but it's entertaining fodder type stuff. So what is it? Why do you watch so much? As he would ask, why do you watch so much reality TV? I, I mean, you nailed it right there. It is perfect uh, background fodder. You can have it on at any moment, be doing something else. You're not even really paying attention. And yet somehow you know what's going on. And I and I love that about it. Um, for me, though, the one show I do watch very seriously is Survivor. Okay. I play very close attention to that show. It's my absolute favorite. Um, but I'll mix in some of MTV's The Challenge, some Big Brother, maybe some of those guilty pleasure shows. I'm not going to out myself here, but maybe. Oh, um, it's the ones I watch, too. I watch them with my wife. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's the ones I watch. Like I, I never got into Survivor. I've watched it with friends. It's cool, like Big Brother and stuff. But yeah, no, the guilty pleasures. We have like three or four of them on our recorder, so it uh, they come on every week, and we like sit down after the little one goes to bed, and yeah, we watch them. So I, I understand. I totally understand. It's just like I've had a long, exhausting day. I don't want to have to focus too much. Just. <laughs> 
put this on TV. I am with you. It's okay. Simeon just sits in his little cave like you've seen on his streams and dances and does whatever. He doesn't know how to really experience life. That's his deal. Well, you know, when I, actually, I, Simeon loves reality TV. Oh, he does. Oh, he yeah, does. It, he, he, maybe he's hiding it a little bit here, but I know the truth. He loves it. Well, what'll be fun is myself, Mike Curlin, Jorge Montanez, and Michael Simeone are sharing an Airbnb for First Pitch Arizona. So he might not have a choice in the matter. <laughs> and that could <laughs> be, be fun because I'm a very nice guy, but I'm a very big guy. So I can use my weight to my advantage. And he might have. No, I'm just kidding. And um, we could have some fun with that. So. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and make a prediction here. He will be leading the Let's Put Some Reality TV charge. Oh, I Let's love put it, it on. I love it. He's gonna be leading it. I'm telling you, he he love he likes Survivor. He likes the circle. He'll he will ask oh, me questions. Great, the circle. Yep. I think I think it was me and um because my co-host on my golf show Jesse got me to watch it, and then I saw um I saw who was it that tweeted about it, and we got um we got Michael all of a sudden going, okay, I have to watch it. I have to watch it. So I did he so I'm assuming he finally watched it. That's good to see. That is good to see because that is a dumb, dumb guilty pleasure show. Like it's so bad, but uh, I, I like that. That's good. That's really good to hear. So yeah, we're going to have to mess with him on that one. That is great to hear, but um, all right, Josh, that'll wrap us up for this episode. Again, remind everybody where they can find you, what you got going on, all that good stuff. Yeah, so uh, you can find me and my work on Twitter at UT Streamer. That's the letters UT, um, named after the uh, infamous SP Streamer, my boss, uh, where you can also find my work at his website, SP Streamer. Again, the letters SP, uh, streamer.com. Um, I do all things hitting streamers. If you ever have questions about uh, who to start, who to sit, especially when it comes to hitters, my DMs are open. Um, and I also have a pretty complicated chart. I try and keep updated, um, but don't always do the best job as far as like live stats go. Um, but I try to keep updated. Uh, you can find that linked on my Twitter page. It's my pinned tweet, I believe. Well, Josh, uh, I've had a pleasure getting to chat with you on this one. I'm very excited. We uh, set this up a little while ago, so I'm glad we got to uh, to record this and do it. And I look forward to uh, having you on again sometime and chatting it up for uh, some more fantasy baseball action. Absolutely. Um, I love the pod, so thank you for the opportunity. No problem. Everybody's was Bench with Bubba, episode 395 with Josh St. Marie from spstreamer.com. Catch you guys later. Bye.